0: Welcome to You, Me, Empathy. Thank you for listening. We would like to remind you that this podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only, and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Known as just a silly boy with a feely heart. Please consider supporting the show. Check us out on Patreon, or simply leave a review on iTunes. Here's your host and creator of the show, Known Wells.
1: Greetings, feely humans. Welcome to Yumi Empathy. My name is Known Wells, and today on episode 30 of Yumi Empathy, Tony the therapist and I explore the psychology of narcissism, the common traits of narcissistic personality disorder, and the ways human kindness and love can help us better understand narcissism. I also talk a lot about my father and how his narcissistic uh, type traits uh, affected me during my childhood, we also talk about reconciling with the fact that it seems to me, and this is sort of my personal bent, is that uh, arrogant, er ego-driven people are in power. And um I worry about that often, think about it often, and I'm I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. But before we get into episode 30 today, I did want to read a email I got from a listener by the name of Vic. And Vic listened to episode 29 and uh reached out to me after listening to it and was um Offended was uh, impacted, uh, p- perhaps potentially negatively, and I, I wanted to read her response and uh, maybe some subsequent responses that we went back and forth uh, via email with. And I, I just think it's uh, it's it's a really important email, and um, I wanted to read it here for you. And um, so here goes. So this is from Vic, uh, a listener of You Me Empathy. She says. Quote, I have been diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder and had to stop listening to this week's episode when I and some of my friends were being called, quote, development, developmentally stunted, dangerous, can't form that kind of bond vis-a-vis treatment, pod people not having a moral compass, and lacking a fundamental sense of humanity, end quote. Not being able to feel the way other people do, lacking a natural sense of empathy is something I work hard to counteract through a very strong sense of morality. It's something that, that has created a comorbid depression and an, an anxiety in me. It is part of my mental health and something that group therapy and symptomatic medication helps me function in society. I have to make an effort to feel in ways that others do naturally, channel my narcissism into healthy habits, such as saying... I'm awesome as heck, so I must be awesome enough to not do X, Y, and Z. And forming emotional bonds without empathy, but nonetheless built on love, respect, and other senses of sympathy, I can feel. Fuck abusers. And I can't ask for empathy from people who have suffered in the ways your guest described, especially since I can't fully offer it in response. Only sympathy and anger on her behalf. Frustration with the ways our society has failed to help domestic abuse victims, especially children. Sadness at the failures of our mental health system. But it really sucks to listen to a podcast about mental health and then be so thoroughly dehumanized for my mental disorder. And that's the end of the email I received from Vic. And I just wanted to say, and I, I went, I responded to Vic immediately, and I, I kind of went to... Uh, a very sensitive place and and felt like, Oh no, I I've upset someone. I, I, and I reached out and I said, I was sorry. And I, I appreciated her perspective and we've gone back and forth a few times and, and, and we're good. And, and, you know, I, my initial take on, on it was like, Oh shoot, I, I, I made a mistake. I, I, I failed in, in doing what I want to do in this podcast, but what it really got me thinking about was this podcast, You Me Empathy, is about creating a safe space for our personal stories. And as I relay over and over again on this show, um, I'm not a professional. I think it's that's an important context to have. And also, as, as Vic is is very eloquently saying, she has her own experience. I'm not privy to that experience. And I think it's an important one, and her perspective is is valid and important to me. And I care about her, and I, I appreciate her courage for reaching out. And I, I guess I just wanted to share with Vic and with the listeners that you know I am here every week talking about stuff, and 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 sometimes, you know, most of the time I'm you know just talking from my feely heart, and 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 in that place, there's there's. Perchance, uh, opportunity for, you know, speaking maybe out of line or, or sp- speaking something that's speaking to something that, that maybe not true for others, but it may be true from my own personal vantage point and it, and that vantage point, especially in the context of narcissism, which, uh, you know, was uh, evident in episode 29 and is certainly epi- evident in episode 30, which you're about to hear, my vantage point is, is very sensitive because I was deeply uh, impacted by my own father who presented as a, a narcissist. Now, my father isn't clinically um, diagnosed as someone with narcissistic personality disorder. Uh, so, you know, I guess that may be a a bit unfair, but he, he sort of ruled, uh, with an iron fist. And that fist was, um, leading with arrogance and a lack of empathy and, um, ego. And it affected me and I, I'm still affected by those representations or the presentations rather today. And, and so that's not an excuse. That's just me being sensitive and having a feeling heart and and I guess I just wanted to relate to everyone that like i um I love you, I'm doing my best here i i I know Vic is a listener, and I appreciate her listening every week and i i I just wanted to say to Vic here on the podcast that i'm I am sorry, I am sorry, I didn't want to offend I didn't want to invalidate her experience. her experience is valid to me, and it's important to me. And sometimes um, I just, you know, things can be uh, taken different ways and, 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 you know, having mental illness is a sensitive place and, and we often do feel alone in our mental illness and we want to fight for it. And that makes sense to me. And I've been there. And I, I guess I just wanted to say to all of you that you're not alone, that we're in this together, that no matter what, every week I'm here doing my best to give space for personal stories and uh, vulnerability and empathy and kindness. And um, if I come across in regards to narcissism as someone who doesn't have empathy or sympathy toward um, someone who is diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder for that. I am sorry. And I, I don't want that. I, I, I just want um, love and kindness and empathy and all these things. And I'm rambling forever and I'm sorry, but I love you. And I just wanted to share that. And I, I, I appreciate uh, Vic for sharing that. And I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to further communication with her and um, if you ever want to reach out to me, I'm, I'm always open. Honestly, I, I, I'm, I'm an open heart. I'm an open book. I wear my feely heart on my sleeve, as you guys know. So without further ado, uh, thanks for listening to that little rambling spiel. And enjoy this episode, episode 30, with Tony the Therapist on the psychology of narcissism.
0: La,
1: la la you you you, you. The empathy. Yeah. La, la, la. welcome to you me empathy a podcast about exploring the struggles we face in our day-to-day lives as humans trying to get by on this wondrous and overwhelming pale blue dot the intent of you me empathy Empathy. (laughs) The intent of Yumi Empathy is to talk openly without judgment about our neuroses, our mental illnesses, our shared anxieties and worries, to create a dialogue that is vulnerable and deeply human. (laughs) (laughs) Cut. (laughs) Blooper reel. The intent of You Empathy is to talk openly without judgment about our neuroses, our mental illnesses, our shared anxieties and worries, to create a dialogue that is vulnerable and deeply human and empathetic, and to share that dialogue with others to inspire emotional and cognitive collaboration and insight so we can, hand in hand, break down the stigma that make us feel shame and guilt for struggling, for feeling our feelings, for being human. Yumi Empathy is a safe, friendly space designed to inspire the beauty in each of us. Today, I am with Tony for Tony Time. Tony Time. How <laughs> you doing, Noan? I'm doing all right. Good. Uh, today, uh, Tony and I will be exploring uh, narcissistic fathers and narcissism. This is a follow up episode to my uh, chat with Sherry Heller On uh, narcissistic fathers and her experience uh, with her father, and uh, you know, uh, a pretty traumatic childhood. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and do that. It is a great one, and I really appreciate Sherry for sharing her story. So, uh, Tony, before we get into it, uh, introduce yourself
0: and do your little spiel. All right. So, my name is Anthony Romike, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist here in the state of California, beautiful California, and (laughs) known as destroying the studio as we talk. Uh. So, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in the state of California, and I'm licensed with the Board of Behavioral Sciences, license number LMFT47805. I have a private practice that I do in the city of Tustin, California. And uh yeah. That's, awesome. That's my job, man. Cool. Yeah. It's my job, man. That's my job. That's my job. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah. I love.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you do.
0: <clears throat> We're
1: a little goofy cuz we just uh we just finished um the timeline of this. Uh we just finished recording our first live we did instagram live uh episode not episode we just had an instagram live and um so my throat is a little tired and my allergies are high and we're a little goofy we're just a yeah, little goofy now just a little goofy. So. um so all the more reason to talk about narcissism <laughs> right uh well let let's let's start uh with what is what is your experience in sort of uh, treating narcissism, addressing narcissism, recognizing
0: narcissism? Yeah, it's I mean it's a really kind of fascinating characterological, um, either you know pathology disorder, and you know people with narcissists. I, I mean it, as Doctor or Sherry Heller points out. Um, you can really—it's kind of a spectrum-based type of issue, you know. I, and I know she had mentioned in her episode, which again, an amazing episode. If people haven't listened to that episode, highly encouraged to go back and, and listen to that because she she really did have quite a story and, and a very profound early childhood, um, you know, or throughout childhood, but but certainly starting almost immediately, um, a very you know profound um, childhood experience, and. You know, dealing with somebody, again, with, with either narcissistic traits, going all the way up to somebody who has maybe not what we would consider narcissistic personality disorder. And, and there's a difference. And again, it's a spectrum difference, meaning that, you know, once a certain level of criteria has been met, then according to the uh, American Psychi- Psychiatric Association that, you know, we have the, the diagnostic statistical manual that we use uh, for diagnosing disorders – you know, if you have full criteria, then you can actually be somebody who has narcissistic personality disorder. So, again, you can have traits of, of this particular issue or you can have, um, you know, if severe enough, you can have the actual clinical disorder. And people, again, can have traits and, you know, some of which are um, developmental in nature and some of which, though, can become a fixed Kind of way in which the personality structure of a person is actually organized, and the way in which they permanently, in a sense, or, or fully function from, and 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 that's certainly on the more severe spectrum. You know, where you, where you're actually talking about somebody who clinically has that disorder. Hmm.
1: What uh, what is your personal experience as
0: a therapist in in sort of interacting with narcissism? Well, it's it's interesting. You know, as Sherry had pointed out, these tend to be or can be, I should say, um, treatment resistant in mm. the sense that if you have somebody with with full-blown narcissistic personality disorder, probably not um, – again, no research to support that, just, just kind of anecdotal – but probably not the people who are going to seek out therapy on their own terms, uh, meaning they're probably not the people who are going to come into psychotherapy looking to – Uh, work on their narcissistic personality disorder, more often if you're going to see them in therapy, you'll probably see them present maybe relationally, meaning you may see them coming into therapy because they're unhappy with what they're not getting in life, meaning they may be unhappy with what they're not getting from a spouse or they might be unhappy with what they may not be getting from a job or their career or a general expectation of, of what they think they're deserving of in life. Uh, again, because if you're thinking about this personality dynamic, this is the type of person who's going to tend to have a more grandiose perspective. They're going to have a more grandiose self-perception. And so, there's going to be maybe a higher sense of entitlement and what they feel they're deserving of in life. So, they may present uh, potentially by coming in and saying that, um, you know, their wife – You know, let's, if it's a male, let's say they may come in presenting that their wife needs fixed because she's not somehow good enough. Mm. Or again, there's some maybe depression or, or maybe disappointment around that they're not further along in their career, you know, or that, you know, good enough things aren't happening. Or if, uh, they may potentially present if it's an, if it's an issue of, let's say, um, this sexual acting out behaviors in which they've been caught, and the only way potentially that their marriage is going to be saved is you know maybe they may come into therapy, but mm. um, but again, not generally going to present because they're uh, wanting to fix their narcissistic personality disorder. So it makes sense because they they're the best.
1: Yeah, you know, why right. would they need fixing? Right.
0: Yeah. So you know to be able to you know Sherry points out for them to be able to look at themselves realistically is not generally not going to happen. I mean, right. you know, th- this is a, a pathology in which the person is probably not recognizing that, you know, they, they have this particular, you know, narcissistic structure. And so, because they're not going to look at themselves necessarily through the eyes of some deficit, right. They're not going to see necessarily their, their shortcomings. Um, they're going to be more invested in seeing themselves as, you know, maybe better than uh the average person and so you know yeah so they may present disappointed in in the things around them but maybe probably not disappointed necessarily in themselves right yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) well i'm just like yep i'm just like thinking of my father and 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 sort of you know everything in his world was about him and he was superior than everyone and and uh I have this distinct memory of my dad um, you know he would I used to he'd come you know we'd play soccer and uh, you know as kids you know and I played soccer my you know until I was you know after college you yeah. know, I played for like 25 years but um, he you know, I remember I, I must have been like 10 or 11 or something and he he'd yell yeah. he'd yell at us like on the sideline a lot uh, you know especially my sister and I hmm. and it was embarrassing. It was shame, you know, because he wanted like, he wanted, he has so much anger. He wanted Mm. us to win and beat everyone. And, and he wanted it to be perfect. And I remember this one time he was yelling and he was criticizing the way I was running. He was criticizing my form. And you know, I remember him saying, pick, pick your head up, you know, get your, you know, I I don't know what I was doing, but like, I that comes to mind wow. sometimes when I'm running, and it's just like, uh, ugh, get it, get out of my head. Yeah. Um. But, but there, everything about his world was, how was I or his kids or or, you know, his coworkers or whatever, making him look right. That was, it was that was his whole world. Yeah. You know. The cat that came into the house and he threw from the balcony, right? Right. Like, that was affecting him. He didn't think of how how that may have been to me and my younger brother. Like, we were enjoying having fun with this little kitty that we found who was a homeless kitty. Yeah. And we were caring for it. He didn't care how that impacted our emotions in in a, in a positive way, potentially. Right. He only cared that he had allergies and that cat needed to go. And the way it needed to go was, you know, this brutal and violent way. Right. Um, and that was like, that was just that, that was, that's my sort of vision of my father. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. I, you know, I think the thing that you're tapping into when you talk about that story, and again, you and Sherry had talked about this in the last episode, was you know in these people you know in in these narcissistic presentations, it's that absence of empathy it's that not understanding the impact right you know that a you know a person again with with this particular issue, the way in which they impact other people you know there's there's that absence of awareness of the hurt they cause you know the the pain they can inflict. And they can do the things they do because they don't have that feedback loop you know there's there's not that type of empathy right that type of of understanding of another human's you know emotional experience is is lost to some degree uh you know the, the it's it's not a complete you know again depending on on where a spectrum where a person may fall on this particular issue. And on, you know, the more extreme sides, you know, where, you're, where you start to fall into is sociopathy, right? You know, psychopathy. I mean, really further in the spectrum where there's just complete absence, right, of another person's emotions and feelings and experiences. And it's – and to your other point, this idea that the people around them are more or less just an extension of, of them – and so, how do you meet up in their eyes, right? How do you how do you represent them in your activities, your behaviors, your, you know, your goals, your jobs? Uh, because again, that feeling that everything reflects on them. Right? Right. And so, you know, this particular dynamic can come with a, a tremendous amount of criticalness, right? Uh, critical, judgmental, shaming, because again, it, I think the attempt is critical. Is you know the potential attempt from the narcissist is to correct whatever behavior they they find disapproving right not recognizing you know in a you know the other person as another person right right you know as a completely distinct separate human being who has their own emotions desires goals um, yeah there's no consideration for that there's just there's yeah it's gosh you know even the thing that there's no consideration there's just there's no seeing, and, and right. maybe you're right on the lighter end consideration, and on the more on the more severe end, just complete lack of acknowledgement or, or ability to see it. Yeah. Um. So it's these these potentially are very difficult people to be in relationship with. You know, either either from a partner perspective yeah. or from you know certainly from the perspective of a child, these are very 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 difficult people to be, be into relationship with. Um. You know, as as I think you know, Sherry was able to share her, her own personal story of, of what that was like for her and and um, the impact that had, you know, both her experience of her father, but also, you know, then, you know, also the experience of her of a mother with a mental illness. So Yeah.
1: What do you suppose the impact of – so, I'll preface this question by saying, you know, my father was very about uh, the perception of us as a family and, you know, sure. how things looked, how things appeared – you know, wanted us to tuck in our shirts, um, you know, our backpacks had to be a specific, you know, spot when we got home, if they were, Mm -hmm. if they were someplace else, you know, it would, you know, it was, it was yelling and, and, and berating, uh, what, where, why does that come into the mix? Why does the sort of the, the perception thing come into the mix for those types of people?
0: Well, you know, I think it comes down to – because maybe what you're – if I'm hearing this, you know, if I'm tracking with with your presentation of this, I think what I feel like I'm hearing is that idea of why is presentation so important to these people? Is that – Yeah, why – I mean – You know, why does this disorder have a a high need for appearance? Appearance. um, um, You know, because
1: he was – like, you know – in my mind, as a child, um, his relationship with mom was was terrible, right? And and he was a terrible father. Like that that was those were my experiences in, in many ways, not always, but in many ways. And um, so the sort of you got to tuck your shirt in when you go to church. You gotta you gotta you know you gotta like be this way. Uh, he was very ab- about like how people perceived us as a unit, right? And to me, that spoke of like, you know, maybe maybe this is wrong, but like at, at, at the time, like as a kid, I was like, oh, he just wants, like he realizes that it's not all hunky-dory mm-hmm. and he wants people to think that because they will think higher of him. They will think better of him. He's the patriarch of this shining beacon of familial, you know- you know compatibility or whatever yeah and uh and like that that was just like i i got that so much from him like it was about like how he looked and like he was very like about how he looked and was perceived and and it was always so gross to me Hmm. um and so maybe it's just like maybe it's like go back it goes back to like narcissist himself Mm -hmm. you know, about he's looking in the, I guess he was looking at the puddle. looking at the, yeah. Yeah. You know, looking at his reflection. He was very much about just solely focused on how he was perceived and how he existed. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, he'd
0: use whatever method to build himself up. Sure. I mean, I, I think, you know, with this, uh, you know, presentation, you know, again, (laughs) if, if, if you're, you know, with a you know narcissistic you know person, um, and again, you know, maybe important to preface, you know, I don't know your dad, and I'm I'm certainly not diagnosing him in any way or other, or even you know, ascribing any attributes of this to him since I don't know him at all. But but maybe just talking about it in general, yeah, in general terms, I think what. What you might tend to see with this particular presentation or, or you know characterological presentation is is somebody who might tend to be very externally focused for, you know, maybe some of the reasons that you were talking about, which is people's perceptions are going to be of, of really high value. And the you know, the better the outward appearance, right? The the potential for higher praise, the the potential for higher um you know, validating a certain standard, right? A certain standard of excellence, or a certain standard of perfection, or a certain standard of of beauty. You know, it's it's that external attempt uh, to be you know validated, right? Or uh, you know uh, that searching for affirmation of value, right? And you know, because I think ultimately, you know, the the development of a narcissistic personality structure is is really reactive. Is it insecurity some? Um, I, yeah. I mean, ultimately, I think, you know, if, if you get underneath the structure, I think what you're going to find is 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 a really, really, really um, more fragile, you know, uh, sense of self and a really insecure sense of self. Right. And, and with very, 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 very low self-value. And again, you know, I, I think – as we tend to talk about, you know, when we talk about mental health based issues and, and these relationally based issues, it's the, you know, the idea that, you know, even this personality structure was, was adaptive and protective um, as this person received more than likely, you know, very early, their own very early shaping uh, childhood experiences that necessitated the development of this type of adaptive personality structure. And, you from my, you know, so it is, in my opinion, you know, mixed with some temperament-based uh, issues. You know, this this again becomes very, uh, very much an adaptive personality structure. You know, very much based in survivability, as we've talked a lot about. And I think generally what you're talking about is is some very early, you know, develop developmental shaping. You know, that has and stunting that has occurred in which the, the person is very, very, very much developmentally stunted at a very, very, very young age. And kind of around, you know, that, you know, you know, roughly around that, you know, 18 months to 24 months, maybe to 28 months developmental period in which, you know, you hear, you know, people talk about the terrible twos and uh, that very much the world revolves around me Type of self-centered type of perspective, in which there's not yet a lot of development around separateness. Right, there's not a lot of development yet around you're a distinct person, I'm a distinct person, and what I do can negatively impact you and and have. There's usually more kind of you know there there isn't that type of differentiation, and there's still very much this. It's you know it's all around it's all about me, and again very much survival based. And but this ultimately becomes a functioning again on the on the more severe side this ultimately becomes a actual personality structure that the person lives out of i mean this this is how they live their life is out of this 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 very rigid personality structure and if you don't you know evolve right if there isn't some type of um intervention to shape and create a different dynamic then you know you're going to carry with you this very you know self-centered type of perspective that the world really does revolve around me. And you're an extension of me. Everyone around me is an extension of me and you are there to serve my purposes and my benefit. And it's, um, you know, and again, that's why these people, you know, can be very difficult to be in relationship with for that reason. So maybe let's like, um,
1: let's not talk about like the actual, like clinical narcissistic, you know, uh, diagnosis, but Maybe just talking about like I'm curious about you know your experience in and addressing some like uh, arrogance or mm-hmm. or you know uh, ego or those types of things like what what kinds of things are you talking about with your
0: patients when it comes to those things? Well, y- yeah, it's a great question because I think I think in working with you know even maybe the traits that may present in therapy. I think what's important to recognize for me in working with this population is recognizing that this is still a person who's presenting with very un- unmet needs, mm-hmm. you know, and this is a person who is still de- um, presenting with hurt and pain. Mm. And that, you know, there's potentially a lot of, you know, fortification that has occurred, but, you know, but this is a, a person in pain, you know, this, yeah. this is a wounded person who didn't get what they needed when they needed it and so their presentation again is adaptive and again whether wherever that falls on the spectrum right but but it's still very somewhat adaptive so what i find is it's still really important to conceptualize the person from that place and to really kind of conceptualize it from a place that i th- i personally think is still very helpful and I feel like I've had good progress with is is really helping the person recognize, even again, if they're presenting with this idea that I'm not getting what I'm wanting and being able to to really be able to kind of meet them still in that place of, I don't, you're right, I don't think you are. Mm-hmm. And we're still continuing to speak to that early place of wounding. So, it's, I'm not necessarily speaking to it in the place that they think I'm speaking to it, meaning in the ways in which they feel like they're not getting what they want today. Mm-hmm but really recognizing that there's a part of them that is still crying out for what it is they did not get. And and there is still an original wound, there is still an original hurt, and there are unmet needs that weren't met. And I think being able to join them in a healthy way um, in that position and in that place, again, I find is very helpful. And once there's that I, you know, I I think once there's that feeling of alignment between you and them, and once they recognize that you are there to care for them, meaning you do care about – because they want that, right? I mean, that's part of the presentation. Yeah. You know, they, they want to be important. They want to be seen as important. And once they feel that you're aligning with them in the fact that they're important, I think that's important in that therapeutic process of being able to join with them. And then I think you get the opportunity once that trust is built to be able to start – Making some headway, and and in the way of some gentle confrontation, to be able to start pointing out, you know, I, I just I don't know if if going about that has been the best way for you in getting that need met. You know, what do you think? You know, how do you feel like that's been going? Mm-hmm. And and again, very gently, being able to confront these these maybe relational areas in which they're really struggling, and present to them in a way in which again they feel cared about, but you can make some headway with them. Um, because they're not having to necessarily defend against you as well. And again, once they feel like you're for them, um, I think you can speak to this. And, mm-hmm. and I do think you can begin to kind of speak your way into them and get them to slowly understand that what they've done may, may not be getting them what they want, you know, Unless in terms of what they yeah. really want and you know, what they're really wanting or but, what yeah. they're really needing, I should say. Yeah.
1: this it's got to help that you are able to maybe allow them um, – to see, uh, maybe potentially where some of this came from, you know, the, right. the sort of the early childhood stuff, the, the you know, trauma, or whatever it is, you know, the foundational stuff like that, right? That is grounding, and and um, I find for myself helps to just understand a little bit more about why I am what I am, or whatever,
0: you know, right? Uh, yeah. Absolutely, and I think one. People, because again, if you're if you're thinking about even narcissistic traits, and, and you might be thinking of somebody who has had a necessity, you know, a, an, an adaptable necessity to to be self-protected, to not feel vulnerable, to not feel the less-than feeling that maybe they they feel at a very deep unconscious level. Um, I think to be able to. Again, kind of speak to that need or that place. It's a tough. It's it's very delicate because again, I, I think it's these people could be very easily wounded if they felt as if that part of themselves was being threatened or or threatened to be exposed, and they weren't quite ready to be able to do that. Um, so I think it's it's a very it's a very delicate process. I think that that is navigated very delicately and very cautiously, and there's there might be some. Some areas you know in which the, the therapeutic relationship might be damaged at times depending on something that you may present and they may not be ready to hear it and if there's enough kind of ego strength that keeps them in therapy, then I think you have a wonderful opportunity of doing some emotional repair. Um, if not, you might potentially lose a client. I mean you know because it, it may be more than they can handle mm-hmm. and um, and that's unfortunate when that happens, but it, it can happen. I,
1: in the episode with Sherry, I talked about how I have this sort of hyper, we both talked about how we have this hypersensitivity to sort of any sort of arrogance that we perceive Mm -hmm. in in people or even just characters in television or film or whatever. And I I, I sometimes like get upset uh, thinking about, so in my experience, and it's just mine, so it's very limited, but like... The the people that I've interacted with in, like, corporate environments who are, like, quote-unquote successful and yeah. who are, you know, the CEOs and the VPs and the senior VPs, you know, all these people, those are people that I have the most sensitivity toward. I mean, mm. let me rephrase that those are the people that are the most arrogant in my experience and mm-hmm. the most sort of, and the people I have the hardest time with because yeah. they, they do present as so, you know, really they're often men uh, and very arrogant and very outwardly just aggressive. And I don't know that, that, that worries me. Yeah. If that's, if my sort of small Sort of experience is yeah. a uh um a reality elsewhere, which sure. I'd imagine it is in 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 a lot of ways hopefully that's getting better but how do we reconcile this where we have this world where all of the most powerful people in the world are you know so outwardly you know um arrogant and egotistical and lacking in empathy and like how do we reconcile that yeah wow gosh what a i mean what a major question <laughs> i know say, it's, right i mean it's i think about it sometimes though i don't know it's it's tough it, yeah i mean it's gosh
0: you know and and really kind of even existential in a lot of ways right yeah i mean kind of such a big question such kind of a i mean it's interesting i mean i, I you know and here's actually a thought that i had with that i'm not i'm not sure this is where you're going with this at all but actually the thought that i had which maybe is going to be a little shocking or surprising was that you know gosh how do you even say this but what are some of the positive qualities of narcissism i and i know that sounds really weird and mm. maybe bizarre but but what i was thinking about was what has it meant for us societally you know culturally Meaning what part has narcissism played either in development, you know, I, you know, I mean, you know, technological development or the forward movement of progress. And, and again, that's so subjective, you know, in right. terms of what we talk about, whether that's good or bad. I mean, you think of people
1: like, uh, you know, John D. Rockefeller or, uh, right. you know, um, the guy who started Ford. I, you know, I forgot his name. <laughs> John. John Ford. Right. John Henry Ford? Ford. Henry, Henry Ford. Ford. <laughs> Henry Ford. You know, these people are, uh, you know, brilliant and, and geniuses and, you know, uh, to your point, have impacted uh, culture and society in ways that um, we see to this day, right? Correct. But, you know, you also hear stories of uh, these people being terrible human beings and awful. And, and, and while they were genius in their own ways, they also treated people pretty inhumanely and, and some, you know, and I'm not right. specifically calling out those people, but just like you hear these things and where I hear your point. Right. I do hear your point. And I think it's a valid one. So maybe there's no world for, you know, just these like, super empathetic, you know, no sort of ego leaders. Maybe maybe that world doesn't exist. Maybe it can't. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, gosh. I mean, it's, I mean, I was, you know, one of the thoughts that I had. We have Trump for president. <laughs> we, we, we do. Jeez Louise. I mean, it's, you know, it's just interesting. I was thinking, you know, you and I have, you know, we did a prior episode on bipolar disorder, right? And artists and, you know, and. And, you know, I, gosh, I mean... What bipolar disorder has done, you know, in arts, right? I mean, in terms of people's ability to create mm-hmm. amazing art, and, and you know, and of course, that's not everybody. I mean, but but just you know, what what part has bipolar disorder played, you know, throughout our history, with regards to to you know artistic movements? Um, I would imagine a a good amount or or a fair amount, you know, that that has been at what cost. Yeah, I mean that's a great question, and and I know that's kind of what we're wrestling with this piece, right? Yeah. You know, at what cost? And I just don't know if I know. I mean, yeah. I didn't bring it up to no, like, no. It's, it, specific it's answers just a great because it's it's, it's just something just to think about. Yeah, questions. I mean, and it is. I mean, I think it's a it's a very great thought provoking question because, you know, again. What do these tendencies or qualities mean, I guess, in different areas of life, right? Now, if we're going to come back to what does it mean relationally, you know, in terms of um, – and again, you know, I think this particular issue is – could be potentially, you know, difficult on relationships. Yeah. But what's the other impact that it has in other areas of life? And again, subjective then, you know, in terms of what's good or bad. But I think as even you point out, and again, you know, to for our listeners, I mean, nobody that we're talking about today um, – whether that's your father or whether it's henry ford or john d Rockefeller, i mean you know we we can't identify any of these people as having anything i mean we're not no. di- we're not diagnosing anybody no we um but just you know in reference to you know are there people out there who maybe have this this you know either traits of or this disorder who Find themselves in in positions of power and influence. I mean, is, is is that possible? Of course, you know. I mean, is this type of disorder going to be? Are, are these people who have these traits to all the way to disorder going to find attractiveness in areas of power? It's certainly obviously, you know, very very probable and possible, of course. Yeah. So
1: my hope is that you know more things like the Me Too movement. You know, we we sort of uncovering this toxic masculinity that sort of permeates culture and corporate structures and, and, you know, even entertainment, like more and more sort of movements like that occur because, you know, I, I think, and the more and more we as humans stand by those movements and, and, and support them and, and remind each of us and ourselves that we're humans with, with, feelings and no one deserves that level of abuse and treatment you know uh we're all in this together and i think the more of that um hopefully you know
0: um it gets a bit better absolutely uh-huh. and you know i think you know the nature of this podcast you me empathy um empathy again being the key word um that you know we come back to so often when we talk about all these you know different topics that we, we you know discuss here you know and again empathy being so relevant to this particular issue because i think it's you know the the you know the need that some of us have for that level of connection and intimacy which requires empathy you know at the yeah. end of the day there's a requirement of empathy for those who are seeking intimate connection and and healthy attachment and you know one of the things I you know the really the primary thing obviously that we offer in this podcast is you know information and education and and recognizing that you know being able to be you know understood by another human being to be able to be empathically understood and to be empathically experienced is just such an important part of relationships. If that's what you seek, I mean, you know, there there are you know various levels of of, of people's ability uh, and desires to seek out connection and empathy. I mean, that that's that's on a spectrum as well. Well, we have so. to have it. Like, I I'm just like I was thinking of like
1: uh, all this like conversation about like you know the, these existential sort of conversations we're having makes me think of like you know the sort of dystopian worlds that we yeah. see in science fiction and stuff and. A world where no empathy exists, like, is the most brutal world imaginable.
0: Like, can't, I can't imagine existing and, and coping in that world. No, that's frightening. I mean, I mean, to think about what people would be capable of doing to one another without empathy. I it's mean, like the purge every day. It would be literally like the purge every day. Yeah. Um, it's frightening, right? I mean, you know, when you think of that. So, yeah, I mean, empathy – and that that ability to have empathy and to demonstrate empathy, oh my goodness! Right? I mean, that, I mean, it's yeah. just um, and it's, it's why this podcast is really awesome, and why we get to talk about this, and why we get to be uh, champions of empathy, and and um, and create champions. champions of empathy, and, and create a forum. For, yeah. for information and education around around these um, necessary topics that we talk about. And, and empathy always being at the center of them, you know, and the, the ability for human connection, the ability for intimacy, um, you know, non-sexual intimacy. I mean, just actual yeah. human attachment, human connection, human closeness. And, you know, the um, the healing power that that has, you know, and the, and the transformational power that, that that has in people's lives, you know, is just – you know, again what what we get to uh what we get to champion and be behind. So
1: Yeah. You heard it here first, folks. Tony loves Henry Ford. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Uh well, um, I think that, that about does it. Uh thank you guys for listening. Um thank you for supporting the show uh lately. We've been getting some new Patreon supporters, which is very exciting. Uh if you haven't left a review in iTunes for You Me Empathy, please do that. I'd like to. I'd like to get the show up in the charts in the self help and health categories in iTunes. So if you haven't left us a review, go do that. Please do that. That helps support the show for free. Uh, thank you, and thank you to Tony for being here as always. Absolutely. Can I? plug a book
0: oh plug so and and i have no conflict of interest or i have no you know no connection to this person whatsoever it's just a great book um, you get 10 percent of every yeah, sale yeah <laughs> no, i wish but no fortunately I, I get i get nothing other than the joy of having read it awesome and uh and i just think it's for me it's been a great resource you know with regards to um the study of narcissism uh, but it's a book it's called uh trapped in the mirror and it's by uh, elon e-l-a-n uh Golomb uh G O L O M B uh, PhD it's uh I believe it's still in print um but it's, it's When was it written? It sure. was uh, it's years ago now. Um I can't remember when exactly it was it was first written but it's it's been a few years but just really just a great book um for really understanding uh, narcissistic personality disorder even the even the title Trapped in the Mirror I mean just you know what a great it's a great title. Yeah, it's just a really really great yeah. title. Um, there's another great book. It's called Disarming the Narcissist, um, which could be helpful for people who are dealing with, you know, kind of have it, having to navigate maybe the the narcissist in their life. And um, so, those are a couple of great books. Again, I get nothing from that. Um, they're just great reads and, and books that I feel like are good resources for people. So. Thanks. If someone's looking to maybe read about this subject a little bit further, so. Yeah.
1: No, thank you. Thank you for that. I, I should have asked that. Um, and those books uh, will be linked in the show notes for this episode at umiempathy.com. Well, you guys, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, follow the show at YouMe on Twitter and Instagram. We also have a Facebook community you can check out, so go check that out. And uh, again, thanks, thanks, Tony, for the Tony time. Always, I love it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And as always, listeners, I'm here. You're here. We're here together on this wayward, overwhelming, onspiring, pale blue dot. We have each other. It's you, me, empathy. La, la, la. La,
0: la.